your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. I'm going to have you to be a lacrosse political scientist, economist. Is he a political scientist? Now I just forgot if he's a political scientist. But he's an economist of sorts, Adam Hoffer. He's going to be joining me in a couple minutes. But uh, I wanted to to, uh, bring on Dana Erickson. He's the owner of Interstate Interstate Sound and Light here in La Crosse. Uh, he's doing something special right here downtown. I think he's, I think he's uh, maybe up on a on a ladder right now, hanging lights like Clark Griswold. Is that what you're doing, Dana? Right now? <laughs> Not exactly, but uh, uh, maybe the Clark Griswold reference might 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 be fitting. Yeah. Yeah, your uh, lacrosse center. It's going to be lit up tonight. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? I I can. Thank you. Uh, I you know I'm I'm. Uh, I don't know how much inf- how much time we've got, but I would I was just going to say that we uh, my heart is with the uh, Ukrainian people uh, right now, as I think uh, we wanted to show some solidarity. So I'm doing what what I can do with my resources, and we're we're gonna we're gonna put some uh, special effect lighting uh, on the lacrosse center's uh, facade uh, tonight. Yes, I'm hoping that uh, uh, I think we we. We'll probably let it stay up for a while until he kicks out. Maybe it goes through uh, to Sunday, Monday. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, so, uh, geez, I don't even know how long ago this was. If you, if we remember, uh, the Midwest Family Building was actually, you, you lit up the Midwest Family Building in, in pink for Prince, right, at some point? Purple, yeah, purple. purple. Uh, uh, Midwest Family Broadcasting uh, asked us to do some work at their structure when uh, when we had the uh, services for uh, Prince, and and so we did that in purple. Since that time, we've acquired uh, new fixtures, and and they're they're bigger, brighter, and more intelligent, if you will. Prince. And so we we we're we're deploying those uh, this week, and hopefully we can we can get some. Uh, blue, blue, and yellow out of it, and show show some solidarity. Yeah, Prince is very disappointed. Prince fans are very disappointed that I said pink. I think very disappointed in me saying they probably that. would be. Yeah, uh, purple. <laughs> um, anyway, okay. so but yeah, and and mm-hmm. and you don't have any any stake in the game when it comes to Ukraine Russia, but you 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 did tell me earlier that there's a little bit of uh, you, you kind of look back mm-hmm. at your your past, maybe high school or something, and just kind of feel. Feel yeah. feel like yeah. this might be a, a little bit of a, a you could relate to this a little bit somehow. That's correct. Yeah, I'm not ashamed to to tell you that in in middle school and and, and a little bit of high school, I was bullied by a couple of older guys, and it had uh, uh, a lasting effect on me for for a couple of years until I got bigger and stronger and was able to kind of stand up for myself. Uh, and so I know what it's like to be bullied, and I, my, 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 my sentiment is that uh, uh, Vladimir Putin's doing essentially the same thing to uh, the people of Ukraine. Um, and so, you know, I, I can relate that way, and, uh, and uh, so, you know, I, this is what I can do. Yeah. Um, can, you, can you give us a hint as to what the lacrosse center might look like? 
Well, um, the, the the fixtures that we have uh, are actually RIP 65 rated, so technically they could sit outside, but we, we're not sure if we can secure them properly. So we, we're going to keep them inside the the new uh, main entrance to the lacrosse center. Uh, Chris and, and Art and their team, they were kind enough to let us uh, have the floor, so to speak, and do what we do what we want to do here. And so, uh, yeah, I'm hoping tonight, maybe after 7 p.m., we'll, we'll light it up and it'll be up until, like I said, I think we're going to be okay through the weekend. We'll have to see how next week plays out. And hopefully they, they're, hopefully uh, the, the Russians and the Ukrainians can come to some uh, re- resolution by, by that time. Yeah, that would be that would be incredible if by the weekend that this whole thing is over. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> right. It doesn't yeah. seem like that, but uh, by the weekend, no. you know. But uh, yeah, so so the in, inside the main. So when when I drive by the lacrosse center, I'll be able to look over mm-hmm. and, and see uh, it's lit up in blue and yellow, huh? Right. Yeah. So the design of the the new entrance to the lacrosse center has a lot of glass, and we should be able to shine our fixtures through the glass and we're going to try to hit the awning a little bit uh in the, in the corner outside and a little bit inside uh we'll, we're not really sure yet what it's going to look like uh it's not dark enough at this hour but we'll we'll come up with something and make it nice yeah definitely that's dana erickson he's the owner of interstate sound and light he's lighting up the cross center in solidarity with ukraine uh and and that should be able to be seen throughout the weekend uh thanks a lot dana thank you sir have a great great day you too all right, yeah, so drive on down there, check it out. Uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll check it out and let you know tomorrow if it looks if it's up and running because you never know. And once they uh, – well, I guess they'll, they'll probably know if it's working before it's dark, obviously. But, uh, yeah, once it gets dark out, it might be something cool to go check out, drive by. Uh, they did that with our building here a couple of years ago, a year ago. I just It's a pandemic, so I don't remember time at all. But uh, they lit up the Prince building – or our building in purple – uh, for Prince, not pink, purple, definitely. Uh, all right, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. When we come back, we're talking with UW Lacrosse's Adam Hoffer. We want to talk about a little bit. It's uh, Adam's probably not like an expert per se in this, but he's an economist, so we could talk about it a little bit. The value of the mall in one week, exactly. We're, we're auctioning off the mall, so get your checkbooks out. Get ready. I don't know how much it's going to go for. I don't know if there's like a minimum bid or anything, but we're going to – we're going to talk about that. We can talk about inflation. Uh, we can talk about the ruble, like the the Russian currency, and and how that's uh, dropped off the map. It's basically worthless right now. And uh, does that affect uh, the U.S. at all? What's happening in Russia, Ukraine? How does that? We can talk about how that affects the U.S. too. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight. 785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to text me, shoot me a text. You got questions? You got uh, zingers about buying the Valley View Mall? I'm, ta- I'm taking them. I'm taking offers. Adam Hoffer's on with me. Adam, I deemed you a political science professor uh, a couple minutes ago accidentally. Sorry about that. Uh, close enough. Political economy, political science. Yeah, I feel like you did. You do. You do kind of delve into the politics, and, and I think maybe politics is mostly economical right like anything that deals with politics kind of deals with the economy kind of deals with money right it's almost impossible to separate politics and economics more than anything and uh particularly so (laughs) um all right so i wanted to to bring you on and and just we're a week out from from buying the mall not not you and i but from somebody buying the mall potentially i don't know 
I don't know if uh, we have any takers. I, you know, reading if you just search malls in America, not the Mall of America, but the 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 consensus here is that malls aren't doing great, and they're they're often going <laughs> to the the route that Valley View appears to be going. Uh, yeah, what did you think when you heard the news that the the mall was uh, up for auction? <laughs> well, uh, to be honest, I thought I I can't believe it's taking this long. Uh, you're exactly right when you look at the the old big box store model. Uh, think about the stores that used to be in Valley View Mall: Sears, J.C. Penney, Macy's, Bonton. Uh, those kinds of stores just aren't the kinds of stores that are doing really well right now. I mean. We saw the shop goes go empty a couple of years ago, and so uh, I, I think that it's time that somebody either really reimagines the space that is the mall, uh, or, well, I guess there is no other alternative. It, it closes until somebody can do something else with it. Yeah, and a lot of the the, the stores that are connected to the mall, um, anchor stores, I guess they're called, aren't going to be part of the sale. I think one is. I, I think... I think it's the J.C. Penny. I think the old J.C. Penny is going to be still part of that. I think the bookstore is still going to be part of that. But what's going to be the high V, the old Sears, is not going to be part of that. Uh, what was the Herbergers, which is like a VA community clinic now, is not part of the sale. And the old Macy's is going to be sold on its own sometime later this year, maybe earlier this year. Um so it just seems weird that we're just going to sell, sell the middle part of the mall. Uh, it, it, it seems like it would be hard to reimagine, repurpose the, the mall into something else. But it also seems like that's what we would need to do. We need to, we need to be creative and, and find something else to do with the mall because stores aren't thriving anymore. That's right. I mean, uh, you're, you're right on the first end in that it, it seems like a really weird way of chopping up the mall, but it's a... It's a bit of a facet of how sort of the mall just evolved. It was a, a bunch of different parcels, uh, you know, different plots of land. You can think about different houses on a street of each being their own parcel. But you know, at one point in time, they were all owned by the same company, and then rented all of those spaces. And little by little, and I think this is a very good thing. As new companies wanted to come in and wanted to invest their own money into the space, you mentioned the. Uh, what's soon to be the high V and and what became the the VA space? Uh, those companies wanted to come in and they wanted to own the part of the land. So the you know the former owner of the whole mall space, all those parcels, was was happy to sell off pieces of it. Uh, now and of course, what what we're left with is really just what's left. What what somebody hasn't reimagined or reinvested in yet. Uh, although uh, I mean, a sale is the first toward uh, somebody coming in and doing something like that. Yeah, I kind of wonder if whoever buys it maybe changes the interior to be something completely different. It's clear that like the clothing stores and, and stuff like that, I think that I think the grocery store is actually going to work pretty well there because there's, there's you know, I know Woodman's is down the way, but and, and Festival is down kind of out of the way on the other direction, but having a grocery store right there might, might thrive. I think so too. I mean, the, the mall has a lot of things going for it in terms of uh, if you just look at a, a piece of real estate, it's in a pretty good location traffic-wise. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of parking spaces, which uh, can be used to accommodate almost anything. Uh, I've heard two proposals that uh, sounds uh, what I think is, is very interesting. Um, 
the, the first one is not necessarily for our mall, unfortunately, not for Valley View Mall, but uh, I do believe that the the largest purchaser of what used to be mall space in America that has been empty for some time uh, recently has been Amazon, uh, turning malls into Amazon fulfillment centers. Uh, and then the other proposal that I've heard, and I think this, is, this one is, is rather fascinating, uh, are calls for proposals to... Uh, add some some form of a in picture an apartment complex attached to the mall. Uh, there's plenty of parking. There's plenty of space. Uh, and then as soon as you build all of that housing right there, all of a sudden that commercial space that was uh, maybe less desirable uh, all of a sudden could could spring back to life. You can think of a a food court having a whole new audience uh, if there's a, a residential tower or two attached to the space. I'm really curious to see what ends up happening there. Yeah, that would be that would be kind of interesting if you you could re- you'd have to rezone it, I think, and then uh, make it a, a living space somehow, and or add or add a building. The mall does the part of this auction is the Riverside, so the the south side of that, I believe, uh, south of the mall borders the Lacrosse River. It's wooded in a wooded area. That would be kind of a nice view if you're if you wanted to live there. I know the other side of that, having the you know the main drag right in your backyard, wouldn't be great. But hey, I got a river view if you wanted to put a uh, apartments <laughs> there or something. In housing these days is. Is all about availability, location, and amenities. Uh, the location, again, I think that could be great for certain people, right? I mean, imagine, you can almost imagine a, a fully redeveloped area of housing where uh, now all of a sudden all you have to do is quite literally walk downstairs or take your elevator downstairs and you have a half dozen restaurants, a bookstore, a clothing store, uh, and well, a grocery store with high V coming in, uh, and you know, a hundred thousand square feet of commercial space easily at your disposal. Uh, now, of course, in order to make this happen, we're talking uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in investments that would need to come along from someone. I don't know who that is yet, uh, or if this will ever come to fruition. But uh, I always like to be a, a bit of an optimist. Yeah, the uh, the idea of me being able to live within. Uh, you know, very short walking distance, uh, 100 yards or so of a 24-hour grocery store is very dangerous, Adam. I don't know. <laughs> well, just, I know several people just, who live uh, um, walking distance to a quick trip, and they say it, it is it is just as dangerous as you think. Dangerous and awesome. <laughs> kind of like a combo. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, it's, it's 3 in the morning on a Friday. I'm still up watching movies, and I'm out of chips. See you later. I'm just going to walk. I'm going to walk walk down the walk across the parking lot. Uh, we're speaking with Adam Hoffer. He's a he's a UW Lacrosse associate professor of economics. He's been doing that a decade. He's also the director of the Menards Family Initiative. Uh, we're going to talk about inflation here in a little bit, and um, maybe the Russian ruble. Do we do you have a, do you have a pretty good knowledge base of what happens in Russia and how that affects us over here, Adam, or not? <laughs> You're stretching my knowledge a little bit. Yeah. But I'm, I'm happy to talk about what I know. Yeah, it just seems it seems interesting. But the mall, the mall's recent assessment is about twenty seven point one million dollars. So that's what it's valued at, I guess. I don't. I feel like they'll have a reserve price. I don't know what that reserve price is on eBay. It's called a reserve price, like a, the minimum bid, the lowest bid you can have with buying it. I don't know. Maybe that comes in at twenty seven million. I. It seems like a lot for a, for what the for what is being offered in the in the sale of the mall. What do you think? 
That's right. Well, typically in sheriff sale properties, the mall and, well, any other property in the city that goes to sheriff sale, what you'll see is that the mall, like most properties, well, across the U.S., has some sort of a loan or a mortgage on it. So they usually start the bidding at the sheriff's sale at whatever the balance is left on the loan. And from what I can tell, it looks like that might be $27 million. And the way that this works is somebody from the bank will show up, uh, and they'll bid $27 million. So if nobody else outbids them, that means the bank just takes it back. And then it's the bank's responsibility to sell it to whomever they want for whatever they want, whenever they want. Uh, usually they, they prefer to do that kind of quickly. Uh, but, of course, if somebody shows up and bids $27 million and a dollar, uh, the bank it would be very happy to just get paid back what they're due on the loan, and uh, the new owner can, can, well, do whatever they want according to current zoning. And, uh, you know, I, ideally I, I picture somebody working with the city for quite some time and uh, developing a proposal that, you know, obviously could, could make some good use out of that space. Do you think the 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 so not all malls are dying? I'm from Appleton. The Fox River Mall is is thriving. I would assume that the Mall of America does pretty well still, although I haven't been there in a while. But uh, it, it, does maybe the Valley View Mall in Lacrosse not it hasn't done so well just simply because of the stores that were in there? We've seen this. The stores have literally closed, right? They're and they're all kind of the same. Sears is a little bit of an outlier, but. Uh, the, they, they all kind of had the same market, and maybe if we just had different stores in there, the, the mall may, might not be in this position? Sure. I mean, not every commercial space is in dire straits, but, I mean, you, you see this in downtown all the time, right? Commercial uh, spaces close, restaurants close. I mean, across from the mall up in that Alaska area, right, there was a, a Carlos O'Kelly's Mexican restaurant that is now an auto parts store, right? So uh, certain industries, certain sectors can can take a downturn, but uh, there are plenty of businesses that want to grow and develop. Uh, I was just at the Mall of America, it's been a couple of months now, and, um, you know, there are really big, empty sections of the mall, which can't be great if you're the mall owner, uh, but in parts of the mall, you see all sorts of cool new things popping up. Uh, I, was, I was surprised to see an escape room inside the Mall of America, but why not, right? Uh, and so I, I think that this is a, uh, I mean, this is a real time in, I'll call it economic history, right, where we're going to see really big, older commercial buildings that are empty and not being used for what they were at one time. I mean, all you have to do is look around town. There are Three empty shop goes, uh, the Kmart building, and now most of the mall, right? But with each of those comes an opportunity for something new. I, I think last time I was on, we talked about the, the Copper Rocks development that is going to become the old Kmart site. Uh, but that development, from what I could tell from the plans, involves demolishing the Kmart building that's there and putting up new stuff. Um, but this is a... This is kind of an entrepreneur's dream if you have the capacity to take big risks or uh, you're interested in, in really trying something new. Yeah, the idea the only the only hindrance at the mall is you, I don't you won't be able to knock them all down, and I don't, I don't know if you would want to do that. But people need to get away from the stigma of Kmart, so that thing's got to come down. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I was I was up at the mall the other day. And, they're not knocking them all down, but uh, I saw, you know, to, to put in the high V, 
they had the excavators out there, uh, a wrecking crane, a few bull- bulldozers, and there were there were walls coming down. I, I imagine that there are newer, nicer walls going back up, but um, right sometimes, well, almost every time, right, a new owner is going to want uh, new things in their space, and so again, it's back to this idea of uh, creativity abounds, and I'm optimistic to see what someone can do with the space. Yeah, I just think back to when that was a Sears and me walking through. I would get lost in that Sears sometimes because they, they had stupid walls in the middle that sectioned off different parts of the Sears. And now I think about it, a grocery store is pretty wide open. So maybe that, yeah, it's just they're just going to open it up. Anyway, Adam yeah. Hoffer, <laughs> UW Lacrosse, Associate Professor of Economics, been doing that a decade. He's the director of Menards Family Initiative. Uh, when we come back, we talk a little bit about inflation. Uh, I'm going to go off on my rant about how corporations are just raising prices while making record profits. Uh, we'll do that again. Um, we'll get Adam to explain it to us. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608. 608- 785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to shoot me a text, Adam Hoffer, UW Lacrosse, uh, professor of economics, on with me. He's also the director of the Menards Family Initiative. Um, I did get a text here, Adam, from somebody that says, visit Arcade Providence. It's the nation's oldest indoor mall. It was built in 1828. I feel like that might have been the first mall then, if it was uh, the oldest it might have been the first mall ever. It might not have been a concept of a mall. I don't know if they had a Target in there, but. I've never been. I would love to go visit. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. He sent, uh, he sent me a. It sounds like a nice trip. He sent me a link. <laughs> the link doesn't work. So uh, and I'm not Googling it at the second. Um, hey, just <laughs> while I'm speaking of Target. So I mentioned, you know, with the Valley View Mall being auctioned off in a week, a week from now. And, you know, part of me thinks like, you know, if there were better stores anchoring that thing, the mall might be more popular because my mall back home, the Fox River Mall, has a Target. And Target's pretty popular, it seems like. If Target and Lacrosse was part of the Valley View Mall, uh, do you think do you think maybe things would be different? I mean, do, would it take just one store that having been popular the whole time that 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 things would change? Yeah, I mean, that, that could have done it. Uh, I mean... All you have to do is look almost across the street, right? The the Target Plaza is there, and uh, it seems to be doing all right. Some of the stores have turned over. Um, I, I think maybe the old Navy outlet. I yeah, can't remember it, if, if, if that's gone or it flipped. Yeah, it flipped uh, to if, like if a <laughs> it flipped to like a Skechers shoes or something. It might have been a Gap. Sure. It might have been a Gap outlet because I think the old Navy's still there. Um, yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I mean, so yes, uh, it's yeah. You know, if all, I think that would have uh, pulled a lot more customers to the mall. But at the same time, with Target tries to kind of cover everything, right? So I don't think Target wants you coming into Target and buying some stuff and then heading to a different store in the mall. So uh, it certainly could have saved the mall, but I think the Target model would, would rather have you just... I, I think I lost you there. Are you still there, Adam? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. no, that's right. Uh, um I I bring up Target too because there's just just a story in the past 24 hours is Target is looking to increase its minimum wage up to I think it's I think it's minimum wage uh, starting wage is as high as $24 an hour I don't know have you seen this story I haven't seen that story but I can't say that I'm too surprised with how hard places uh, I guess that's just the trouble everyone has had hiring lately What do you what do you what is what does that do to 
the you know I guess surrounding businesses. If Target's going to go to a minimum wage that's twenty four dollars an hour, and that's not going to happen here because if you read the story, it's between fifteen and twenty four dollars an hour. So Target's going to have a minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour. Is what that says. What that says to me, and maybe in places like New York City or something, there might be a twenty four dollar minimum wage there. Um, but can, can you explain what that does to maybe even just surrounding businesses if Target goes to a $15 minimum? Sure. I mean, right now, like, I mean, let's just take the labor environment right now. There are still, it seems like, just about every business out there is struggling to hire. Uh, but this is what markets are supposed to do. If places are having trouble hiring, then... Uh, this should encourage some places to raise their wages to fill their open positions. And so if Target is doing this, great for Target. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, this could come potentially with, with some higher prices. Uh, or when, when you look at uh, if Target's able to fill all of their open positions and the neighboring stores aren't, uh, that's certainly going to become a little more challenging for the neighboring stores. But uh, this is, I, I think this is Target responding to uh, increased prices, difficulty hiring, and just general inflation. I mean, there's another headline the same day. It's also today. Target profits rise as annual revenue crosses $100 billion. <laughs> so, I mean, you talk about like, yeah, Target's going to raise minimum wage. Maybe they'll talk about uh, raising prices. But also, they've never made more money in the history of Target or probably business they just never their profits are are higher than ever so I, I don't know can you get it can you can you explain to me are corporations using inflation to raise prices when really they're actually making record profits or am i off base there so i think everything you said is right but for some reason the tone came across as if there's something wrong with that <laughs> um so let me start by saying that uh, corporations, all companies really, should respond by adjusting prices as they see changes in the market, right? So uh, over the past couple of years, we've seen a huge increase in the money supply. What, what does that mean? That's just a ton more money in circulation. That The reason that the Fed does this is to encourage people to spend the money, but so stores see items flying off the shelves. What do they do? Well, they should respond by increasing prices. That's the that's what prices are supposed to do. I would rather have the price of milk go up than go to the store and there not be any milk there because people have bought it all because the price didn't go up. So prices should go up. This is the basic expectation uh, that we see in economics when we print a whole ton of money and give it to people. Uh, again, that was the whole purpose of doing it. Print money, give it to people, have them spend it. Uh, and result is that prices go up. But so if stores are increasing prices, uh, and the reason that they're increasing prices is because people are buying more stuff, that demand is going up, people are buying more stuff, then they should be seeing more profits. Uh, That's absolutely sort of how this was designed to work. I had a, we talked to a Senate candidate, Adam Murphy, on on a podcast recently, and he talked about how the, the the, the game has changed in stuff that we're buying. We're no longer going places. We're no longer doing things, so to speak. We're just buying stuff. Uh, so, you know, you can get into supply and demand, but a lot of the reason for inflation possibly is because uh, everything, we're, our, 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 our system to getting us stuff isn't, isn't uh, 
the infrastructure isn't available for the amount of increase that we have for buying things, like buying stuff from Amazon, buying stuff from Target. Uh, and that's why we see a lot of this stuff uh, backed up at the at the seaports and, and whatnot, and, and production can't keep up with demand. Sure. I mean, all of that has some, some truth to it, right? We're very much a consumption-driven society. We love to buy things. We want our public policy to support us buying more things. Uh, and the way in which we buy things has changed dramatically over the past 30 years and over the past 10 years. Uh, and, I mean, that ties into, right, the mall is, <laughs> has been sitting mostly empty, right, because we don't go to malls anymore. Uh, what, what do we do? Like, I personally love the convenience of uh, I ran out of something. Well, actually, uh, I, I I drove a sled into a tree, uh, went down a hill, hit a tree, broke my sled. Uh, I needed a new sled. I pulled up my phone. I had one on the way to my house before I left the sledding hill. Uh, <laughs> to me, that was more convenient than uh, I don't think there's a, necessarily a, a store that sells sleds at the mall. Uh, I right. believe we got it at that sled at Walmart or Target yeah, five right, years ago. Yeah, r- right by the mall. Uh, you can go. I mean, I feel like you can get a sled at Target, Dick's Morning. Go- I, th- I think you can get a sled. But you, you, yeah. you, you had a sled delivered to you. Did they bring it to the top of the hill? No, no, they weren't that quick yet, uh, but but uh, uh, someday I'm hoping that they get that quick. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the the place with the, the with the hill, maybe they should sell sleds. Come on, what are they doing? Missing out well, on actually, a complete market. I mean, I mean huge, huge shout-out here. Uh, we were at, at Myrick, and uh, Myrick has a, a sled, uh, rental's the wrong word, uh, a sled share. They yeah. have free sleds at the hill for anybody who wants them. Um, I paid extra attention not to break the one that I borrowed from the free sled pile. <laughs> Don't run into trees with the borrowed sled. That makes sense. Uh, great, great it, it uh, advice. Easy. Great advice from UW Lacrosse economics professor Adam Hoffer. Um, yeah, the the whole. But but getting back to, I don't know if we explained it though. But uh, is there something you know? We, we I, I think Adam Murphy, the Senate candidate, talked about that he just harkened back to 2017, the tax cuts on corporations. Uh, put a big dent in in, in a lot of uh, what's going on now, and, and maybe that's why we're seeing record profits now, as, uh, along with a pandemic and the way we're we've changed into buying things instead of going places. But um, is there is there things that the government should be doing to? I don't I don't know. Does it just does it go back to taxing corporations because they are making record profits, like billions of dollars more than they ever made? But uh, most of that doesn't get passed down to the worker. So. Uh- is there anything the government should be doing or doing differently? I mean, my short answer is no. Uh, what do I want to see the government do? I, I, I want to see the government help create an environment where people can innovate and be entrepreneurial. I also want them to tax companies like they tax people, right? I mean, if, if the workers get taxed, the companies should get taxed uh, in the same fashion, right? So I want these companies to pay taxes, uh, you know, I'm not running for political office here, <laughs> but the the general viewpoint here is right. It's obviously easy to see that Target has record profits, and at the same time, you can see across the street that Sears is gone, J.C. Penney's is gone, Macy's is gone, Shopko's gone. Um, so that again, this is this is the kind of thing that is supposed to happen. The world changes; companies should change with them, and the ones that change the best and can make consumers as happy as possible 
should continue to thrive and do well. What do we want to do in terms of a public policy standpoint? We want to make that innovation and change and market disruption as easy as possible. That way, when the next company comes along that can remarkably improve our lives, they can do so as easy as possible. Yeah, I think part of the argument with taxing corporations at a rate that would be higher than you know whatever it is now uh, is that the, the, if you tax a corporation on their profits, they don't actually pay the tax on the profits. They actually just use the profits to reinvest in themselves. So therefore, it's not profit. It's just they're... They take that money and, and put it back into the company, and, and wh- however they, you know, whether it's paying workers or uh, you know, uh, putting in a better break room. I don't know. Um, is there something there? Uh, there's a little bit there. I mean, uh, I think nobody that I talk to enjoys paying taxes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whether that's a whether that's a person or a company. And so you can even think of. of I, I like to use the example of a small business owner. Uh, if he goes and, and buys a truck, right, and the truck is a work expense for his construction company, he gets to uh, deduct some of the – he gets to deduct the whole, ta- the whole truck, right, the cost of the truck from what he's going to pay uh, in profits and taxes at the end of the year. Uh, but, of course, he does that because, well, why shouldn't he, right? Well, he- and, of course, we want small businesses to have access to capital and uh, – buy trucks and things like this, uh, corporations do this at just a mega, mega scale, right? And so uh, Amazon and uh, Target, right, they're going to put up billion-dollar buildings uh, in order, you know, some of it's for just new warehouses, some of it's, sure, I just nice I see this with break room. <laughs> I see this with, like, Alabama football, since they don't have to pay their labor because college football players play for free. Uh, but they make billions of dollars because they're Alabama football, uh, and then they have they they just they pay their you know trainers hundreds of thousands of dollars when every other trainer is getting like ninety you know seventy five thousand dollars, and then they just keep building facilities for the football team and for the university because they don't know they they're a nonprofit right they don't know they have more money than they know what to do with. So the, this is coming up in about four weeks in my sports econ class. If uh... If you want to come sit in, it's a fun topic to sit and talk about, but you're, you're exactly right. This is what athletic departments do, right? College football and college basketball players, well, all college athletes can't get paid. But the real money makers, the huge profitable sports are football uh, and basketball. And since they can't pay players, uh, I've written entire papers on this, uh, ways in which they try to attract recruits and players, uh, you know, multi-million dollar facilities uh kentucky basketball actually got in a little bit of trouble for the the housing facilities that they had designed for their uh starting basketball players right you you can think of this if you only need to house five or ten uh men in a basketball you know on your basketball team you can put them in some really nice places and these uh these kentucky players were living in houses with private chefs and 24-hour kitchens and uh, gold-plated toilet seats. And I'm not exaggerating here. Like, these these numbers are really, really big. And it, it does get back to the fact that uh, college teams do this because they're not allowed to pay players. And it's been one of these arguments for years that, like, this, everyone can see how ridiculous this is. <laughs> yeah. And so what should we do? Again, this comes back to, well, create an environment where people can get compensated for the value they add. Right. That's what we want. That's what we want to do in. Uh, that's what we want to see in college sports. 
that's what we want to see. Well, outside of sports, but right? In just normal business. But don't we do? Do we not see that a little bit in normal business? Because we, you know, if you take Alabama football and just make it uh, a, a, a corporation. And the corporation has to pay its workers, but it only has to pay its workers so much because the minimum wage is seven twenty-five, and uh, you know I think maybe uh, I think a lot of places are probably going to like ten dollars an hour as a, as a minimum wage just on their own. But uh, it's kind of the same deal, right? And we we see these companies just exploit their workers a little bit. Well, so uh, uh, I mean, the minimum wage is a, a minimum, right? We're, but that's a little bit different than talking about a zero dollar maximum. Yeah, um, but. Obviously, uh, areas in which uh, employers have market power, they're going to, to leverage that market power to, to get more out of their employees than if they didn't. Uh, I think it's a little bit challenging in today's workforce to say that uh, most companies have much power over their employees because uh, if, if you don't like working at Walmart, right, you can go work at Target. Yeah. And everywhere's hiring. Yeah, it seems tough. I, and I'm, you know, I probably should have brought this up earlier because we got about a minute. Uh, it seems tough because when a place like Target is thriving and 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 does stuff like minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, you know, uh, the, the, it still hurts the small business. Minnesota has a, has a, like a dual minimum wage for small and big companies, um, but you know, like a lot of a lot of companies that sell the things that Target has that are maybe mom and pop shops, they're not going to be able to compete with wages, uh, you know, that Target has as well. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's another, it's a critique of uh, the minimum wage and just these kind of restrictive laws in general, in that uh, the more restrictions you place into any any industry, it's going to favor the big guys because they have teams and teams and and all these other ways of dealing with regulations and burdens and rules uh, that the mom and pops just, just don't have. Yeah, I think we need some of those teams because I got to do my taxes pretty soon and I don't know how to do them. So. <laughs> All right, Adam Hoffer, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good night. You too. All right, didn't get into Russia. We're going to get into Russia tomorrow with uh, Turbo political science professor Keith Knudsen, uh, who's more of a history professor, and, and I think he's delved into uh, a lot of the European situation. I think he knows a lot. It would be a pretty interesting conversation. Anyway, we got to take one more break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just going to wrap up here. Thanks again to Adam Hoffer, UW Lacrosse, political, not political. I always do that. I'm just used to saying that all together. UW Lacrosse, economics professor, has been doing that a decade. He's also the director of the Menards Family Initiative. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty good conversation. Tomorrow, we'll have Keith Knudsen on. We'll dive into Ukraine, Russia a little bit. I think. Um, I think we'll probably I'll probably have to quiz him too on what the state legislature is doing or has done over the past two months. And we talked to Jill Billings yesterday. If you want to hear that conversation, it's at wisdomnews.com slash podcasts. But uh, we talked to Jill Billings about it yesterday a little bit, just the idea that they're done for the year. <laughs> it's February. Well, it's March now, I guess. Well, it sounds a little better when it's the third month of the year instead of the second. Uh, they have three days yet maybe in session. But anyway, that's all the time I got. Thanks for listening.